What's up? What's up, Mire? How are you? I'm good. So I hear you just got back from a long flight from Mexico. Yes. So I was in one of my best friend's wedding in Oaxaca, which was super, super fun. I, I saw a lot Very of my cool. close friends and the food was amazing. So I was, it was a very fun weekend. That's fun. What was like the one highlight from the trip? The one highlight from the trip? I don't know if I can point to one single highlight. I think what probably I enjoyed the most was just listening to Latin music and being able to oh, we love that. some merengue, salsa, reggaeton. I was, okay. I was really in my zone. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And did they play any musica mexicana like Peso Pluma, Natanael? All they the, did. The they yeah, did. Nice. I know you love musica mexicana. I still don't get it. I'm still struggling. And not only am I struggling to get it, but it followed like Juan Luis Guerra, which is like absolutely my vibe. So it was like. Oh my God. Uh, I can only imagine like your a... face. I can only imagine your face. It, it was painful. It was painful because I was, I was such in the zone. And then all of a sudden they. But Musica Mexicana, which I'm not there yet. I You need to explain to me what is it about Musica Mexicana that's become I, so popular. Because I don't I get mean, it. I can't, I can't explain it. I know that you don't get it, but I will say that the rest of the world gets it. This weekend, uh, Grupo Frontera released their one of their albums, and it debuted number one globally in the U.S. And, and in the U.S., so... Even though you don't get it, the world is getting it. And I think you're going to have to get used to it. And you're going to have to incorporate it into your playlist so you get more in tune. I guess. I guess. Well, that's crazy. In the U.S. as well. I mean, I guess the Mexican market is so big and the Latin Latins within the U.S. is also so big that they can just drive these global they charts. They drive incredible numbers. Yeah. And Mexico is a big streamer. They're always streaming, not only Museo Mexicana, but also if you look like Ed Sheer and Top Market, probably Mexico City. It's kind of that's, crazy. That's insane. That's awesome. That's a good fun fact for everybody to know. But well, anyways. I think I think we should get on to our episode. So what are we going to talk about today? Let's do it. Should we do risk taking in our day-to-day yeah. lives? Well, you know, you know, I'm excited about this one. Um, it's your favorite episode. It's well, it's our it's the favorite of the between the first four that we've done. Uh, I think it's super interesting because really there's so much that we can take from our daily lives into investing, and we probably don't realize all these correlations. And I think once we acknowledge them and we link them in together, hopefully people are gonna feel more and more comfortable investing. So I think. How we draw that correlation is going to be pretty fun, and and we'll see what comes out of it. What do you say? All right, let's do it. Bora, vamos. So I think I told you this, but I'm super pumped about this episode because I find risk taking to be fascinating. Not because I consider myself to be much of a risk taker, honestly. I actually feel that I played it safe for most of my life, but because I do think it says a lot about a person. More so when it comes to investing, understanding your risk tolerance has everything to do with how you invest. And there are a lot of parallels that you can pick from your day-to-day life. Have you, for example, have you thought about how you measure risk and how that impacts your day-to-day? Yeah. I mean, first, 
I feel like everyone needs to know how excited, like the amount of times that this guy has brought up this episode, he's so freaking excited about it. So you guys are it too is. Cool. <laughs> that is true. Um, that is true. But no, I mean, I think this is probably where we are a little bit different. I wasn't super risk averse growing up. I've always leaned into like what my heart told me. I'm kind of like a heart first person. And that's how I generally like to live my life. I'm not saying like I go around being reckless or anything like that, but that I, I think there's something just so beautiful about challenging yourself and getting out of your comfort zone. And I really like crave that anytime that I'm in a situation where I've like, I'm just comfortable, I'm already craving the risk um, and like putting myself out there. But I also like, I'm saying all that, right? But I also know there's like risks of different sizes. Like for instance, a risk of like going to your favorite restaurant and you know your favorite dish is like, I don't know, like the pizza, right? Like the margarita pizza, that's your favorite dish. But then there's a new dish in the menu that you're like, oh, like that sounds really good. Yes, there's a risk of ordering that new dish. You might not like it as much as your original idea, but you also might find your new favorite dish. So I think like, uh, I think that's the risk that you take sometimes. And like, sometimes it's like worth the price. Massive risk, massive risk. You know, sounds done. Sounds done. It could change your life. The new, the new dish could change your life. It does sound daunting. Um, And I I think it's the first non-coffee analogy that you make. So I'm surprised that you you deviated from the whole. I mean, I could could make a whole coffee analogy as well, but I'm not going to take us there. No, I think I've, I'm sure you'll make plenty of those as we go on. <laughs> so I think we'll we'll go with pizza and and just making different type of decisions, whether big or small. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, let's let's cut to the chase. I think I mentioned to you that I saw this study that talks about how personality types can influence financial risk taking and like decisions that we take with finances every day. Even though, like I already told you, I feel like um pretty open to risks on my daily life. I don't feel that way necessarily when it comes to my finances. It's almost like I'm a risk taker with some guardrails. I like to understand the situation and like the lay of the land before making a huge decision, especially when it comes to like something like finance where still getting comfortable with money. I'm still getting comfortable with like really understanding the landscape. So perhaps I've been like a little bit more reserved than I have with other things when it comes to investing, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's, that's, that makes total sense. I, I would assume a lot of people feel the same way. And it's actually pretty interesting because where I probably, where my strengths lie is, is more on the investing front. So I actually take a lot of the lessons that I, that I learned from investing into how I approach my, my day-to-day life. And what I mean by that, I think I go back to my prior job when I was at JP Morgan. So I was part of this group called Global Investment Opportunities. And it was very unique in that our client base was basically entirely focused on opportunistic or tactical investing. And how would I describe it is, I remember one time I called a client and he basically told me this. He said, like, listen, Fede, don't call me with like cooker cutter ideas call me when you have an asymmetric trade or don't call me at all. And that stuck with me, right? Like basically, and, and I think I, I think it's important to understand like what's an asymmetric trade. I think an asymmetric trade is whenever your risk reward is skewed to the upside 
means that you have more potential upside or more potential to gain than what you have to lose or downside. So you might stay to gain 3x while only losing 1x. And these type of trades, I mean, they're usually expressed. I won't get into details um, in terms of the products of how to best express these, but kind of that's the concept around asymmetric trades and asymmetric outcomes, which I've really taken into my day-to-day -day life. Okay, so what you're saying here is that when you make decisions, you analyze pros and cons and only take risk when you are probably going to win more than you're going to lose. That's exactly it. I, I try to be a little bit fancy, but that is basically it. There's nothing too innovative about what I said. No, I mean, I'm just putting it like, you know, like putting it in clean points, but I like, I, that's a great point. And I feel like I try to live that way too. Like, and I feel like that's a general statement. We all want to win more than we want to lose, right? I mean, ho hopefully so. I think where I probably take it to another level is that I try to do it systematically. And it, I do it in investing and I do it in my day-to-day. -day. So every decision or many decisions that I analyze, however small they may be, I think through this lens of risk-reward. I seek kind of these asymmetric outcomes that are skewed to the upside. And I think that probably is best told with stories. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if I told you this, but um, one of the more funny pandemic stories actually is happened in May of, of 2020. Mm -hmm. I remember, I, I, I mean, I can't believe I'm telling this story, but whatever. Um, I remember I matched on Hinge with mm -hmm. this girl from Colorado. It was, I think, the first week of the pandemic. And she lived in New York, but she went to Colorado for the, for the pandemic. And then we never met. But we kind of exchanged texts here and there for a couple months. And come May, she, I have never seen her face until then. She texts me like, hey. But how do you guys like FaceTimed? Not even, not even. That's, that, that was, I know, that was, that was bad, that was bad. That wasn't the smartest of calls. But the point is she texts me. And mind you, I mean, you have to consider the pent-up demand from the pandemic, I think it's something. Demand. Uh -huh. Go on. Anyways, that's an economic term that you can probably translate to everything. But and the point is she texts me in May and she's like, hey, why don't you come to Colorado? And and we meet up. So obviously it's it's it, for me, how I went through that is like, okay, one, what's the worst that can happen, right? I go to Colorado and I, I meet up with this girl and it's a terrible time, but I'm in Colorado and I hike and I enjoy nature and I do my own thing and we go our separate paths and that's that. But the upside for me was a lot higher, right? I could meet somebody who, I don't know, you have a friendship for forever or, or, or Whatever the case may be, I have a great time. I, I, anyways, there's really a unlimited amount of possibilities. So when I weighed that, it just seemed like, listen, the odds of this going really bad just seem to be really limited. And the odds and the potential positive outcomes are just unlimited. So why not go for it? I love it? Colorado. So like, where's things? I love hiking. Right. That is true. That is true. Do you have 
a story that comes to mind about asymmetric outcomes. Wait, wait did you go to, you went to Colorado, right? I went to Colorado and, and she was great. And I had a really great time. Shout out so to I, I, Colorado girl, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> I guess maybe she's, really just, uh, maybe she's listening. I mean, she was great. She was great. I had a great time. And, and there you go. I'm really happy I went. Nice. Um, okay, so, so tell, means, you tell me. Have you thought of like? Is there a story that comes to mind when you think of asymmetric outcomes, for example? I wouldn't use that so, like, word. Asymmetric possibility. I, I wouldn't you use wouldn't that use word. No, whatever. Like I, I mean, I think a lot of my decisions in life, the the for, like probably the the easiest one is like when I moved to Miami, which is actually to the day five years ago. I was driving to Miami from New York, which is insane. Um, I had like a similar situation where I knew Miami was not my favorite city at all. I had visited a few months before moving and I just didn't love the vibe of the city. But when I got a job offer at Spotify, which was like the job of my dreams at the time, there was no, like there was no way I was gonna stay in New York and not move to Miami for the job, right? Like I knew there was a big risk that like, I wouldn't like the city or just the fact that you're moving when you're an adult, you have to make new friends, you have to get custom to a city. There's just so much about moving that's new. And yeah, there's a risk that I'm not gonna like the city, but I knew that the reward would be, I'm gonna be taking the risk to go to this new job that I'm super, super excited about. Um, and it's gonna bring me out of my comfort zone. I'm gonna meet new people. I'm gonna go to a new place. And there was just like, such an excitement about that that I knew yeah. that there was like there was no way that I wasn't gonna make that decision you know has it been worth it like looking back uh has it been worth it have you oh, oh my god a hundred percent and yourself with it a hundred percent it's insane I mean like we always talk about like Miami and like love-hate relationship to the city but I think that move and that decision was has brought me to where I am today and like has allowed me to grow into the woman that I am today. Oh my God. <laughs> but it's true. So it's true. Yeah. No, and I also feel like like you have you found like the pockets of the city that really interest you and that you really take advantage of. Like whether it be like the yoga, the yoga and Pilates studio that you mentioned, or like concerts all the time. It There's just something. seems that that this has like it has pleasantly surprised you. I would and, and I mean, I think like career wise, right? Like it was just like such the right move at the right time and the amount that I've been able to learn and even like about Latin music. So anyways, I think I think it was definitely like the right the right decision, even though all decisions are right, or at least I believe that. But yeah. I think like going back to finance and going back to money, I think I'm not I don't think about it as much in that way because you know, like I have some, um, what's the word, hesitation. I have a little bit of a he hesitation. So for example, for the first time last year, um, I sent some money to an investment account for mutual funds, which we're going to talk about hopefully in the next few episodes. Um, okay. And like a lot of people throughout the pandemic, I lost like what, over 20% of my money, right? Uh, well, I mean, maybe not. 2020 and 2021, which were actually good year for the markets, but last year for sure. You probably last year. Okay. Last yeah. year. Um, so what happened was this year, like I kind of chickened out on sending more money to my investment account just because I've been just like saving up and there's a cushiony feel feeling about like seeing my savings grow. Um, but you know, like I know that's not necessarily the best approach. So I'm curious on when you think it's worth taking risk on investment. Well, I think 
after, and we, we mentioned this in the episode about savings after solving for a rainy day fund, investing will always be worth it and will always be the right call. I'm not going to lie to you that just because I understand the risk of investing or financial products that I don't get scared or anxious or nervous when I do. I mean, I remember when the pandemic first hit, that feeling was horrible. And mind you, deep down, I was scared and feeling terrible about what was happening. Like I remembered I received my year on bonus in February and I had invested it all. And then basically within a couple of weeks, all my year on bonus was wiped out. Meanwhile, I'm the one that is calling my clients and calming them down and telling them to stay invested. And here I am freaking out by losing in on my own money, right? So it was, it was, it was pretty crazy, um, but you just had to deal with it, you know? And I think you had to kind of appreciate that risk and, and know that it's part of investing and it's part of cycles. Well, like, I know you mentioned like being scared. How, like when you saw that drop in your account, how did that make you feel? Yeah, no. So like, like I mentioned, it, it, it was scary. And I think I even can attribute one of my biggest lessons in, to investing at the time to my roommate. His name is Chesco. Great shout guy. Great friend. Hey, Chesco. Um, shout out to you. Um, so I remember the first couple of days, the market was falling, right? So you were losing several percentage points per day. And I was like, I got to the point where I told him like, fuck this. I don't want to open my investment account. Like it's all bad news. Everything is red, which is just means that everything is falling. And I remember he told me, Faye, open your account. You have to open your account because you have to know how it feels. It, it's good for the gut. It builds character. I remember he said that. Character. <laughs> Not, I know it, it was, it was actually pretty humbling, but it's very true. Like acknowledging that feeling of loss it's super important super important and building kind of that muscle i thought was really key to kind of how i how i address those moments really i like that i mean i, I really do believe in like understanding and listening to your gut so i think it's cool that you like actually listened and took that I guess, leap. And I mean, it's not really a leap, but you open your account and you like understood what's happening to really like, so that you can be aware, right? Like I always talk about awareness and I feel like I've talked about that before in the episodes where awareness is the first step. And like, it's so important to get used to it and understand the process. And that will like, once you really feel it, that will allow you to get more comfortable with risk-taking, which I'm definitely not there yet when it comes to finance, by the way. Um, we'll get there yeah we'll get we'll there get but there. like yeah like step by step right like is there is there a moment in your life that you could correlate to that feeling that you felt when you like saw your bank account going red 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 it's almost like yeah it's almost like a freaking like punch in your stomach you know yeah no that's a great point and I actually think that's a very interesting exercise because like if you want to bring it down to your day-to-day -day and kind of have a correlation between things you might feel, um, how investing might feel, how losing money might feel, um, I kind of equated, I, I, I remember when we talked about this, I honestly kind of equated to get rejected by a girl. And, and what I mean by that, like say like you're at a bar or I'm at a bar and I go up to a girl and I get rejected. 
and it's one of those things that it stings, it sucks, but getting rejected is part of the process. You keep at it because you know you have to keep trying until until you get it right. Like going back to my early point about risk taking, there's literally no trade that is more asymmetric than daring to approach a stranger or sending somebody a text message, right? Because the worst that can happen is you get rejected. Somebody says no, or they says they're, no, they're not interested. But all the good that can come from it is limitless. And in investing terms, it might sting when the market goes down, but getting through it and staying invested is the only way to eventually get it right and build wealth for the long term. I don't know if that make like I don't know if I explain myself or is is there something that like you can correlate it with or or that comes to mind? I think like even you talking and when you talk about love and rejection, it really makes me think about Brene Brown and you know I love her. And oh, you love you love her. <laughs> I do love her. She's She's good. She's really good. She's really good. good. I I think like when we talk about vulnerability and we should definitely bring this up again in another episode. (laughs) She talks a lot about vulnerability, especially not especially not only, but also especially like about love and falling in love. And I think, you know, I've I've definitely been in a lot of situations where I like someone and like I know that there's a risk, right? Like an example recently last year, I was kind of seeing this guy who I knew was going to go back to Spain, but I was really into him. And like, actually a lot of my friends were telling me like, don't see him. Like you're going to get hurt type thing. But like, I knew that going into it, like I wanted to feel the feeling that I felt when I was with him. So I took that risk. And I think like Brene Brown really talks about like how to love is to be vulnerable because you don't know a hundred percent that the person is going to love you back or it's going to like you back or it's going to want to stay in touch yeah. even. it's going to go move to spain and never talk to you again right but it's like the risk that you take in order to feel that feeling and that potential reward and joy that comes with like yeah. falling in love or like liking someone and it's like the butterfly so <laughs> the butterflies whatever the butterflies um anyways just Let's bring it back together. Um, how how do you feel like that connects? Like, how can we apply this to my own investment practices? Yeah, no, no. I think I mean you mentioned something super interesting. Maybe that it's like all these feelings and like the vulnerability. And when it comes to applying to investment practices, I how I would probably kind of all bring it all together is I thought of. I read this book once. It's called The Guide to a Good Life, and it's about stoicism. And a technique that stoics use often is negative visualization. I mean, I, I haven't read, I read this book years ago, and I'm probably going to butcher the explanation, but it's basically just thinking through and visualizing kind of bad outcomes. And actually, I've done that a bit more lately, and this is going to sound super dark. But I, so I actually visualize, so my grandma just turned 89 and she's getting up there in age and in fragility. And I've actually visualized her dying. And in the moment, yeah, it's got really dark. I mean, I'm killing my grandma and she's, and she's no. still alive and I love her to them. No, no, no. But, but, but actually the, the part I'm trying to get to is I would sometimes visualize her dying. And in the moment, like 
it feels really sad and it hurts, but I do it and it, and it kind of familiarizes myself with that feeling. I mean, she's still alive and hopefully she lives for many years more. But my theory is that it might prepare me for that eventuality so that when it does happen, it's going to feel equally as sad and it's going to hurt. But at least I'm familiar with that feeling. And that negative kind of that negative visualization, I think, is what you can take away from your day to day and into your investment practices. And what I mean by that is if you feel vulnerable and you saw that guy and were aware that maybe you get your heart broken or whatever, but that it's something that's necessary for you to live life and eventually find that outcome that you like, that you want, you're comfortable with that risk. Same is with investing. If you invest knowing that you will lose money at some point, but in the long run is what you need to do, that's what you will do and you will be comfortable doing it and you will be able to better manage it when that time comes. I, I saw this, this chart, which I thought was fantastic. And it said that from 1928 to 2021, 63% of the years, there was a down, the drawdown, so the market fell 10% or more. Think about that, 63% of the years, which means that we always obviously feel bad and it's crazy and, and we want to sell and we don't want to invest because the market fell or that we think the market's going to fall. But the reality is that it's part of investing. And if you acknowledge that fact and still invest, I can guarantee that in the long run, you're going to be better off. Because the reality is that we have felt that stomach punch. We have felt that kind of emptiness of losing money elsewhere in life. So we're probably more prepared to invest than people think. I think. At least that's that's my feeling. That spiel drops the mic. Drops I know. That was, that was big. That I mean, we're big. like, that was big. And I'm I sorry, grandma. Like, I mean, sorry, grandma. One sorry, grandma, but that was big. No, I mean, even thinking like for a second, like having that thought about like my grandma, like I already feel the punch in my stomach. Yeah. Um, and I think like both life and like finance, like financial decisions and life they're both like a roller coaster, right? Like you go into the roller coaster knowing that you want to get to the top, there's going to be like a huge drop. And like, at least for me, yeah. that's when my stomach like drops. And that's the feeling like that's a fucking punch feeling that you get, but you know, yeah. you're going to get it and you know, you're going to recover. So yeah, just like interesting like to that. think about both to think about life in general and like the roller coaster metaphor. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Why don't you take us away? And with some action items and key takeaways needed. Oh, okay. Um, emocionada, but let's go. So, like, number one takeaway, I would say, is think through a situation where you had a personal failure or practice negative visualization. Um, what did you learn from that situation? Take a second to think about that. Number two, accept that where there is reward, there is risk in both life and investing. Think about the roller coaster metaphor. Yeah. And number three, uh, when you do invest your next dollar, acknowledge that it may lose value, but in the long run, if you stay invested, you will have positive returns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I like I, I love the listing. I love the takeaways. And I think that's exactly that. 
So anyways, thank you, Mire. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please follow us on Boteco Talk, on Instagram, Radar Podcast, or whichever medium, on whichever medium you're listening to this podcast. And we'll see you next time. So see you next you. time. Salud. Thank Boteco. you. Boteco Talk. Boteco Talk.